Well, Marie, here we are. Marie's here. Thank you for coming on the show. It's been long. I, I mean, I've been, I've been wanting to have you on this show for quite some time. Really? Yeah. Well, first we met through Joe the Box at the of America course. First Warehouse. So right. I only knew you in the political sense. Mm-hmm. So I was very interested because every time that you would talk and I would meet with you, you had a lot to say, especially what was going on during the election. We had the election um, party at the America First Warehouse. Yeah. But there's a lot more to you than just politics. That's true. So when you just do a little quick uh, Google search uh-huh. of Marie Zier, you then find out that you are this pioneer, real estate mogul, right? Correct me if I, you know if, if I'm I'm wrong here, but you you've been in the real estate game for over what forty years? Yes. And from what I read, you are the first female. CEO or owner of a commercial real estate business on Long Island. Yes, and I think I was the first in New York State. Oh, really? Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. How did you get into real estate? Oh, my God, that's such a story. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I used to be in healthcare many years ago. And um, I remember working for this person, and I also have a heart. And I was taking the people home, and uh, I had 87 residents, and I had 27 in staff. And I thought to myself, if I had the need to help people or to be with someone, that I'm more effective instead of one-to-one, possibly as a group. Well, how do I do that? So I maximize my gifts, and I try to make as much money as I can. And this way, I could help people, and I could help groups, and I would have freedom. And that's when I made the conclusion that I had to go into either insurance, stock market, or commercial real estate. And I didn't want to go, the stock market was out because I'm a high school graduate. I don't have an education, a formal education. And I left off insurance because when I meet an insurance broker, I usually back off about five or six feet. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't want anybody to look at me like that. So I decided commercial real estate, and that's when I started to really look into it and see if I could get into it. And nobody would hire me. Is it because, first of all, before I ask that, why why commercial and not private real estate? Well, I was in residential, and I made a killing in residential. Okay, okay so, so you I did. So you say that nobody wanted to hire you. Is that because you were a female? Yes. So give me an example. What what, what do you mean? What would, what was their well, reason? Well, it's a man's world. And I would get things like, uh, well, I'll tell you what, uh, maybe we'll do a deal together someday. But uh, I was flatly turned out by the biggest. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'll, I'll give you some names. It was Shaka Real Estate. They wouldn't hire me. Sam Rossi wouldn't hire me. And Bill Greiner from Greiner Maltz, he wouldn't hire me. In fact, he insulted me in his office. And uh, he uh, ate crow after that because then he became my best buddy, calling me once in a while to see how I'm doing. But he absolutely insulted me. So what do you mean by insult? How, how, explain, how do you... What did he do? I don't want to repeat what he said to me, but it was terrible. Okay. So you're getting all of these no's. No one wants to hire you. Yeah. A lot of people would sit there and say, especially a female. Yeah. And we're talking what? We're talking what? In the, in the 80s, 70s? 80, okay. 79. 80. 78. So a lot, of, a lot of people, especially a female at that time, would get discouraged and say, okay, listen, obviously this isn't working for me and I got to find something out because you just, like you said, this is a man's world and obviously they don't want me in it. 
but that's not necessarily the case. So how did you persevere and break through from that? Well, uh, one thing I have to say is I have a fire in my belly and it's still there today. And uh, I thank God all my children have fires in their belly because we've been through an awful lot and we're very seasoned and knowledgeable in many areas. So I, uh, it made me stronger, more, de- more determined than ever to get into it and to make a difference. And I, I, I made a killing. My first deal was a New York Life Insurance Company. You don't want to hear the details of how I really got in. No, I would love to. I would. I really do okay. because I think there's a lot of people. Forget about it, it's just females who may be watching yeah. and saying this is an inspiration. You know, especially nowadays, a lot of people trying to get into real estate, whether they're yeah. flipping homes, whether they want to open up yeah. and just be a real estate agent, a real estate broker. So, how would you? Well, how'd you get? You know, and, and well, I did do residential for about a year, and I did very well. Uh, but I could not take. Uh, the minutia, uh, the cabinets, the colors, the kitchen, and all the nonsense you have to deal with, usually with women. And uh, I wanted something better for myself. I felt that I was capable of doing something more cerebral. And uh, that's why I thought about the commercial real estate. And I made quite a mark in the industry then. Uh, It's a long story, but it uh, I fought with the broker who wouldn't pay me. I had a memorial, uh, a memorandum of understanding. I represented myself pro se in the court. I uh, won all of the cases. I got my money plus, and I I made a mark in the industry. And I helped the salespeople. They don't know it today, but that contract for a multiple listing is actually a contract, and that contract is their contract, even if they leave. So I wound up proving that in the court, and uh, that was the big difference, and that was when I said I've had enough. Now, what I didn't mention to you, keep in mind, is that I was a single mother with three children. And if you don't mind me asking you, how, why, you know, is it uh, through a divorce? Is it Divorce, you... yes. Okay, so, and how old were you at the time? I would rather not say, but I would I say it was in my twenties, early twenties. That's rough. Twenties. You know, I was in. Very you know, rough. I had my child. I was twenty six years old. Yeah. It was just one. Yeah. Three children in the early twenties. I. You know, and that's. That's. Yeah. I don't even know how. It and was very tough. It was very tough, but I was happy. So that's important. There wasn't a negative um, attitude in the house. It was happy. Why? How? How do, There's so many people that are depressed these days. So many yeah. people that are going through so much. Yeah. And here you are, three kids, divorced. You're getting a no, you know, you're in a, a real tough environment right. because of your um, sexuality. You're yes. female. Yes. And yet you're happy. What's yes. the secret to that? How did you get yourself up every single day and put a smile on your face to make sure that you can go out and get these deals done and provide for your three children? Well, I uh, there's more to it than I'm able to say. Uh, well, first of all, I'm basically a happy person, so I was very fortunate, and I think that's something that you're born with. I think people have attitudes and uh, abilities to tolerate, and I think it's innate. And I I was very fortunate to have a, a good disposition and be happy, love to laugh, love to joke around. So that's one element. Uh, the most important thing, really, is not surrounding yourself with negativity. 
You know, get the negativity out of your life, especially the evil. You know, when you are young and you don't know any better, everybody's your friend. You don't realize you're taking in some people with some evil notions uh, or negative feelings. You really shouldn't surround yourself with that. It actually affects you and it affects your family and it trickles down. And the mother is the center of the household. Whether she's married or not, she is the center. And I feel that that was a very important thing, that I made a commitment that when that doorbell rang, it would be somebody that I wanted to, to see or to hear from. You know, it's funny you say that. I listen to a lot of motivational books. And one of the people that I listen to, his name is Jim Rome. Mm-hmm. And what he says is, you know, you are, the, you know, you are the average person of the five people you surround yourself with. So if you're surrounding yourself with all losers, well, expect that that's what's eventually going to happen to you. So, you know, to hear you say something like that, but it's not easy. What I mean, no. how did you do that? How do you get well, people out of your life? I, I want to mention something to my mother's credit. She used to say this and I didn't quite understand. She always said to me, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. It's a, good, and, it's a yeah, good line. And it really is a good line and something for people to remember, to take a look around to who you're surrounding yourself with. What was your question? I'm sorry. No, so, you know, how did you, you know, to say no to people, which I think is a very powerful thing, but to have people that are in your life, you know, you're taking this, this inventory of the people that are in your life and you start seeing people that you don't want in your life. Was there ever, ever a time that you had to just tell them, hey, listen, I don't think this is working out? And because you you know you, you grow attached to people, you grow you have relationships, whether or not they're a negative person or not, but it's difficult to actually do that. But you had a light bulb that went off and said, you know what, this is what needs to be done. Yes, uh, but I have faith. That are you helps. religious? Uh, internally, yes. What does that mean? Uh, spiritually and internally, I was originally a, a Catholic. I converted to Lutheran back in the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, I wanted my children to be raised with love and not fear. And that was the deciding mark for me. Now, but do you, believe, do you believe in God? Of course, yes. Okay. But you just not, you don't practice religion. Yes, I do. Oh, you do? To a certain extent, yes, I do. Okay. Let's get back more into the, the whole real estate. Yes. Okay? Because again, like I said, you've done great deal, um, monster deals, yes. as, as you want to say. Yes. Tell me where it really started to pick off. You start doing the commercial real estate, you open up your own business. Is that what you've done yeah, first? Yeah. No. Um, this is what happens. Usually you need a tremendous amount of experience before you open up an office. I mean, you've got to have like 10 years. Um, what happened for me is my first broker, I, I set up a special system. And uh, there was nothing like it around. And it was in regions. And I had like number one, number two, number three, number four. If you wanted to go to Syosset, that was number five. But that also included Woodbury. That also included Hicksville. If somebody said they wanted to go to Syosset, they would consider those other locations. And I figured that out. So I set up this special system. Um, I was, I had no training, actually. I was given a little box of three by five cards and a desk and a phone, and and the broker said, go. And that's what I did. So I figured it out on my own. I introduced myself to the landlords. I said, I'm new. Uh, You'll be hearing from me. I just want to let you know who I am. Uh, But I also was known as the Rose Lady. You know, when things were very, very tight, 
and very rough raising my children. I set aside $3 a week, and I used to go to James Crest Florist. I don't know if you remember, but in Smithtown, he was like the florist, florist to go to. So what I did is I took $3.25, and he would box a long-stem American Beauty rose with fern and baby's breath and put it in a clear crystal box and put a big red bow on it, okay? And I would plan to who that would go to. And I would deliberately leave it. I would do one a week, and I would leave it on the, uh, at the front in the reception area for the CEO with no card, nothing. It's genius. Right? It's genius. I figured that what do I have that nobody else has? I decided it was me. And I left that rose there. And at the end of the day, around 4 o'clock, I called up. I said, I'm the lazy lady that left the rose. And the guy would go crazy. He'd get right on the phone. And um, I made my first deal like that. And I made my second deal like that. And I made a lot of money at the very beginning and got myself out of a very big hole. So, um, yeah, my first deal in real estate was New York Life Insurance Company. Uh, and, and that's a little bit of a story. Can I take a minute and tell you? Because I, I, it's really a fun story. Absolutely. Um, I had just uh, was hired by this, this gentleman, this Jules Byron. And he's the broker. He's the broker, yeah. And um, it, it was very tough. I couldn't get into the industry. So I just accepted it. I went to, um, where is that, Nat, at Nat East Williston. Uh, I went to Rosalyn every day from Lake Grove. I learned all the buildings going and coming. So that was a leg up. Uh, I left my children alone. At that time, you know, you could leave your kids alone. They were latchkey kids. They had a, they had a key around their neck, and and uh, I would cook for them on the weekends. All the food would be in the, in in the refrigerator, so they never without anything to eat. And they had instructions, and we had codes for the phone. How different it is today. How different. Oh, my God, yes. And that's the one area that I have to say was much easier. So uh, what, what happened is I was there maybe eight weeks, and I got a phone call from this Bulgarian by the name of Val Ivanov. I will never forget him. He's a big, tall Bulgarian, bold, actually the top producer in New York life in the country. He called me up. He says, hi, he says, my name is uh, Val, and uh, I understand uh, that you are in commercial real estate. I want to meet you. I said, okay. So we met. We sat. We talked. And I said, uh, look, thank you very much. Insurance was a possibility, but it's not a possibility right now. I need to do my commercial real estate. If it doesn't work out, I'll call you. He says, Okay. I go back to my office, I look him up, and I find out he's got two locations. And I thought, consolidation. He had a place in Smithtown, he had a place in Call Place. I spoke to my broker, the broker went bananas. Oh my God, you gotta take him to lunch, you gotta take him to lunch. Okay, let's go. He was the kind of guy, I picked up the phone, I said, Val, I didn't tell him who I was, but he was such a winner, he didn't ask. He was a door opener, not a door closer. And I said, uh, lunch, tomorrow or Wednesday? And he said, tomorrow. I said, okay, uh, 12 or 1? He says, 1. I says, okay, I'll be there. He says, goodbye. He doesn't know who the hell I am, right? I come in with my long stem American Beauty Rose and my broker behind me. 
And I went and brought the rose to the woman at the front desk. And like a gazelle, he comes leaping out of the office. Could not believe that somebody gave him a rose. He says, oh, my God, this is so beautiful. Somebody gave me a rose. I can't believe it. And I turned around and I said, Mr. Ivanoff, please meet my broker. We're taking you to lunch. And he goes, okay. (laughs) That was the beginning. And sitting at that table was amazing because all the real estate brokers in the industry, big, big shots, all had their eye on him and wanted him for a client. And he sat there and said to my broker, if I ever move, I'm going to use Marie's ear because nobody ever bought me a rose before. Look at that. And that was my first deal. I made $82,000. On that one deal? On that one deal. My first deal in real estate, 1980. And, you know, if you think about that now, eighty. $2,000, well, yeah, is probably what? What would you say? Almost 500000 Almost uh, close to a well, million now? No, I don't know about a million. Well, 500000 uh, No, I would say about three or 400000 yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And that's, that's some great motivation now to keep going. And you made some big-time deals. Oh, I did. I yeah. did. But let me just mention something to you, because that segues to something that, that happened afterwards. Once I made that deal, it was all over the New York Times. And what happened is all of the brokers who wouldn't hire me, all of a sudden I'm getting a phone call. So they wanted to talk to me. Uh, so one particular broker uh, lured me with a BS listing over here in Comac, the 171 building. You probably know it. It's right down the street, Old Indian Road, and uh, lured me away. But I found out, I brought my whole system with the regions and everything. I found out that uh, I would be there at 7 or 8 o'clock at night, and the office was full. All these guys were there. They would go through my garbage after I left. They were waiting for me to leave. Yes. So I was in the business one year and five months. That's it. When I opened up my own company. Now, that's a big risk. It's a a huge risk. And I started it in my home. And then I decided to make a mark and I moved it to Great Neck. And I had ivory cards with black script with my name. Marie Zier Associates. I could not get Zia Real Estate or Zia Associates. Why? Because they're the biggest uh, owner of office buildings is Weir Associates, W-E-R-E. And nobody, they wouldn't give it to me, even though it was my name. So I had to put Marie in front of Zia. And as the years went on, in 91, I changed it to Zia Associates, and then it's change it again to Zia Real Estate Services. So that's, that was really how everything will started. And yes, I have done some substantial deals. I have one of these deals that I wanted to talk to you about. And, sure. and, and the reason why I'm asking you about it is because, you know, it, it, how times are changing. One of them was 109 acres in 2018. And it's agriculture, but for solar farms. That's right. How do you get a deal like that? Such a big, oh, huge my deal. God, and that it's... was for four. $14 million. Oh, well, that that's one of 12 that are contiguous pieces of land that are all closing this year and next year. I assembled, <laughs> I assembled 12 Whoa. contiguous lots, zoned agricultural and industrial, 
sod farms, no trees, industrial zoning, the right zoning, and I offered it and was hired by S-Power as their exclusive agent and uh, also NextEra, who is actually the, the electric company for Florida. Huge, $140 billion company. I sold them 200 acres. We didn't close yet. And S-Power has the rest. I think it was over 400 acres total. Oh, yeah. And it's, and you say, oh, yeah. and what I was reading is there was a lot of problems. One took almost four years because of the zoning. Well, it's, you had to uh, get certain, I'm well, working on my ninth year now. It's amazing. And, yeah. you, and you're doing it. And I just want to read off some of, because this is so impressive. Okay. Okay. I want to read off some of the names of your clients. Okay. Because, you know, when you start digging and you start doing the research and you're yeah. like, wait a second. How is this even possible? Especially now, you know, I taking know. to the context from where you started, couldn't even get your foot in the door. Right. And now I'm going to read off some of these clients. Northrop Grumman. That's right. Home Depot. That's right. Stop, I mean, these are, this, you know, blue chip uh-huh. companies here. Stop and Shop. Yeah. Walgreens. Yeah. McDonald's. Yeah. R.J. Reynolds. Yeah. Saturn. Aflac. State Farm. Yeah. Allstate. TFCU. Teachers Federal Credit Union, Toro Law, where I went to law school, Firestone, you have Black & Decker, Bobcat. I mean, these are big yeah. Yeah. time. How do you get a McDonald's? How do you do that? Are you leaving a rose at the CEO? <laughs> no. Like, how do you do that? I mean, that's very impressive, and I just yeah. want to say that. I mean, you know, you're reading off, that's, that's a well, list. Uh, yeah, it's a big list, and and I might mention that Toro Law School uh, was wound up in a big lawsuit. The developer and the the one that built that building literally uh, talking about in took Central me Islip. for a ride. Yeah, in Central Islip. That was my deal. I worked on that from '91 to like 2003, and I worked with the president of Toro and introduced him to the developer, and they both lied and and wound up. Uh, we go went Steinberg? to court. No, it was um, on as the president of Toro. I, I mean, I, I could no, be saying no, some... no. It wasn't the president of Toro. It was uh, the I think it was the provost, uh, the principal of Toro Law Center, and uh, just the name escapes me at the moment. What? It was so many years ago. The reason why I want to ask you this question, because, you know, when I was in Toro, I started in 2000, and they kept saying, every year, we're moving. Every, and Because it was originally in Huntington. That's right. Where we're moving. That's where I we're worked. I represented year. them at that time. Yeah. And yeah. so what was the holdup? What would you say? They took me for a ride. What What was the holdup that, that took so There was a developer who was lying to me that I was going to be paid a commission when, in fact, uh, he wouldn't sign the commission agreements, so he hesitated. And that was like 97, 98. I smelled a rat, uh, and um, he uh, told me one story, but he told them another story. He told me that they would cover me on the commission, and he was going to have discussions with them. He never had any such discussion with them. And what he didn't know is that I recorded every single conversation from 1998 for 10 years. Did you? I sure did. And then how did you, so what did you do eventually, present that to him? I hired, I... Well, I didn't present anything to him. I took him right to court and sued his butt off, and I won. And um, and then he appealed it, and then I won again. And it was very significant because he never lost a lawsuit. It was very significant. Basically almost going up against so, Donald Trump. So uh, I would say that that uh, developer um, is pretty much smeared forever, 
and that was my satisfaction. I managed to live without that million-dollar commission and survive. And uh, one million it was dollar over. commission. Yeah, actually, it was thirty-three million the deal. So I was entitled to anywhere between a million and a million eight. What yeah. is the What is the biggest deal you've ever done? If you don't mind me asking, um, I you. did. Um, uh, $28 million building in Nassau County. I did that with my daughter, Michelle. How does, and she's a wonderful woman. I met her, by yeah, the way. Thank you. How does that, tell me about the feeling when you know that you closed, you closed that deal, a $28 million deal. I couldn't just imagine how much that comes to the real estate, but. It's That's a, a million dollar commission, but I co-broked it. Okay, so a million dollar commission. Right. That's a life-changing type of deal there. That's right. Right? That's right. Tell me about that. Tell me about the feeling. Do you does it does it go take you all the way well, back through everything and you know all the hard work and then finally that payoff here it is. I decided to make believe those deals didn't exist. I would do them and I would put them on the shelf and continue doing the little deals that fed me. Smart. I want, right. So I, I survived it all. It was not easy. It's still not easy. I have two deals in contract for 14 years right now. Four. And, I, and I have not received a nickel. That's right. But I decided to do development deals. That's where the money is. And I had a lot of knowledge in net land use, and I decided to use it and just sit back and wait to get my giant commission. Make two, three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand. You know, listen. It is life changing, of course. Listening to you know how you speak and, and what you're saying and the stories that you're saying, it seems like you know it's a lot of work put into this. That you know people just even listening right now just thinks that you know maybe it's just falling on your lap, but no. just the fact even getting up and putting the rose out it's there, right? Knowledge. It's knowledge. Everything's knowledge based. How do you do it, though? What do you do? Do you take time during the day to research? Yeah. Do you take time by yourself yeah. to read certain things? Absolutely. Um, one of the things I always did that nobody else did is I had aerial views. I still have them, large, four by five aerial views of certain areas that had land. And I would mark it in special architectural tape in colors. And I would learn the whole area. And I knew who was who owned it, and if they were gonna sell, and if they weren't gonna sell. I studied that. I studied areas, blocks of, of land that I thought someday would be useful. So you're doing this, the real estate, you've been doing it again, like you said, since the 80s. Right. Along your way, you eventually start, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, eventually start getting into politics, yes. or, or some type of interest yes. in politics. Yes. How did that start? Well, I always had an interest in it, uh, but I'll tell you really how that started, and it's a fascinating story because... We're uh, in the business of fascinating stories, by the way, so okay, good. bring it on. Well, um, you know, I, I didn't really have any money when I was raising my children, and so I couldn't send them anywhere. They couldn't go to private school. I couldn't send them to Italy or another country. So I brought the country to my home, and I became a host mother. And as a result of that, I have two French sons, one I, I speak to regularly, and I had three Japanese daughters. Uh, one of them follows me on Telegram and calls me and uh, says hello all the time. And that's what I did in order to give my children the culture that they needed. Uh, the, 
most significant thing in my life happened in 1986 when I went on a trip to the Soviet Union with my daughter Michelle. And right after that, my son Michael and David went together to the Soviet Union. Our whole family went to the Soviet Union. And to go there at that particular time was an incredible, incredible feat. Right during the okay? Cold War. I mean, you went into the stores and there were racks empty. You could not find soap at all. They had rations of soap, little two-ounce pieces of soap once a month for their body and their clothes. It was so brutal. We went into a toy store in Azerbaijan, and all the toys were broken. There were like three wheels on a, on a tricycle and, and an arm missing from a doll, and it was so pathetic and unbelievable. It made a huge, huge impact on me and my family. And then... Um, Without going into the detail, I can tell you that my daughter fell in love with a young Soviet man. While she was there in Russia? That's right. Why Russia, though? Why, why, out of all the places in the world, why, was, would, why was, did you go to Russia? Why did you want to go in 1986, during the Cold War? Communism is at its peak there, correct? Yeah, I had an opportunity to go. It was through the college. It was through Adelphi University. My daughter was attending there at the time. Okay. Later on, she went to Makes sense. Yeah, UCSB in Santa Barbara. Okay, she had changed. But at that time, we went. I, you know, I went with everybody on the bus, and it was an um, unbelievable experience. She met this very handsome, brilliant, brilliant uh, young man, and they fell in love. And for two and a half years, she saved her money. She worked as a waitress. I saved the money, and we secretly uh, got her to marry in the Soviet Union in the wedding hall for foreigners which is different than the wedding hall for the civilians, uh, which probably has broken windows and broken plumbing, and the wedding hall for foreigners, and we have it on videotape, and it was an amazing event. It was world known throughout the world. It was in all of the latest newspapers. It was ABC and all the stations and CBS, and um, it was unbelievable the coverage that we had. And as far as way, as far as way, far away as Europe, they had magazines uh, that had Michelle's story with Alex. What was her what husband? Was, so, if you could just briefly tell us about why was that such a special story? You have is it because of an American marrying during that period of time a Russian? You can't. You couldn't get anybody out of the Soviet Union. That's why nobody left. And once they make an investment of college or school into a student, they can never leave. It's interesting. Yes. So it was a very, very significant move. And it was life-changing for all of us in our family. We're very seasoned. And uh, it, it, it affects everything that we do. So I went in as a liberal Democrat, not knowing anything, as a single mother typical single mother with no knowledge and I came out as a conservative. <laughs> Why? I, Why? Well, I saw Ronald Reagan and I saw what he was doing. I understood what he did. I went to an apartment uh, in the Soviet Union and uh, in Leningrad and I met this young man and we were there with other Americans and he was begging me. He says, go back to your president and tell him we have nothing. We have nothing. Please tell him to stop. He wanted me to stop the Cold War. It was unbelievable. And it was like somebody lifted a shade in my brain. And I saw the sunlight and I said, oh my God, I got it. 
I saw what he was doing. He pushed them to such a brink. You know, in the Soviet Union, you don't realize it, but the cups are manufactured in the Soviet Union. The salt and pepper shakers that are on the table are manufactured in the Soviet Union. They squeeze the people, and they couldn't squeeze them anymore. He broke their back, and that's what Reagan did. And then, of course, having that experience, I remember uh, when I got off the plane, I saw a picture of Ronald Reagan, and I, I remember kissing the ground and kissing his picture. It was amazing, and it was it transformed my politics and who I was. I wanted to know more. And that's really when I started to look into politics. So, so tell me about what you see now. Compare that, what you, you, know, what you were going through now, or then, and what, what's happening into today's world, because it's such a, a vast contrast. I, I, From, I have a horrible feeling in my belly that we lost already. You know, it's funny you say that. Because, you know, I talked to my girlfriend, and you met her, Red. Yeah. And I say, you know, because waking up every day, I'm actually emotionally even talking about it because I love this country so much. And I see what's happening here. And I say to her, I don't see how this gets fixed. That's right. Because of the, there's no middle ground. So... I agree, and, and let me uh, tell you about an experience I had just recently, which really was very revealing. Not that I didn't know, but it just confirmed it. Um, I bought a second home, a vacation home down in Florida, and I had to fill it with things. No matter what store I went to, everything was manufactured in China. And, and, and the women that were in Florida in the area where I, I bought, they were bored. They had nothing to do. So what did they do? They shopped. Shopping was a hobby. It was a way of life. They would take their carts and weave in and out of the aisles, buying Chinese goods to replace the Chinese goods that they had. It was so unbelievable that now this beautiful home that I have is filled with many Chinese goods, and I am annoyed. I don't like it. I am really upset by it. But we, we've lost to China. We've lost to China. Everything is manufactured there. Where do you, in, in your theory, where do you see how, or when did that actually happen? What was the turning point that in we actually- In the 90s, actually, Clinton. Clinton allowed Clinton him coming into the world allowed trade. Allowed him to come in. That's right, he killed the manufacturing. Absolutely. I remember I remember the manufacturing getting killed and starting to leave Long Island in the 90s, mid-90s, late 90s. Yeah, that was really, that's what, that hurt us severely. You know, what, what do you think about the whole George Floyd thing that we're going through right now? You know, we had the, you know, the pandemic comes. First of all, do you think that the pandemic is something that is from the wet market? Or do you believe that the pandemic actually started from the Wuhan lab or Wuhan. a lab in itself? Wuhan lab. And you believe that cold heartedly? Absolutely. Yeah, I do as well. And do you believe that it was an accident or do you believe that it was on purpose? I think it was an accident at the beginning, but I think it, it, it was on purpose. Yes. Explain it's that. part. Well, there's a book that's called Unrestricted uh, Warfare that is written by two Chinese Liberation Army colonels. Uh, which highlights, uh, first of all, that technology. It was 1999 that it was written, which was, what, 21 years ago, 22 years ago, uh, how technology was going to weaken us, and we're going to lose our natural instinct to survive. 
It's interesting. Yeah, and that we're going to rely on more, faster, better, and and of course that's what happened. Uh, also, part of the plan was because they don't have any more land and they can't build and they can't keep the, the population is growing. Uh, they would cause the pandemic, and they would fill the voids in the areas around the world where Chinese people would move. They would move there. Look what they did in Italy. Tell me about it. Well, they have, I, I don't many, a thousand, twenty, thirty, forty thousand Chinese have taken over Milan, and they do the whole designer market. All of the bags, the Gucci's. Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100% I was just there a, right. a, a year and a half ago. Oh, okay. And I saw that. I didn't even correlate that for, to what you're saying. Yes. And you know, you hear them also buying land here. Well, they own 40 million acres here. Think about that. Yeah, 40 million acres, and Bill Gates owns 30 million acres, and they also own most of your meat and your uh, chicken and the pork, uh, the processing plants. Yeah, so that someday is going to be played out, and they're going to use that, and they're going to control us. It's all part of the master plan. They know everything that they're doing. First of all, they're the most brilliant people in the world next to the Ashkenazi Jews. You know, you have to understand. If you haven't been to China, you want to understand, and I've been there a few times. Tell me about it. And um, what I, I had a revelation when I was there. I was in Beijing the first time in 1998, uh, 1988, and I was there on an official uh, trip, which was the, the Builders, the National Builders Association. So I met all of these dignitaries. And I also got to go to Shanghai and visit an apartment. My daughter's best friend, uh, Jessie, uh, migrated from China uh, and went to college with my daughter. And um, I got to see what that life was like. But I remember this one time I was in Beijing and I was walking down the street and a train apparently let people out of the train and this wave of maybe 100,000 people wow. came toward me and I, you could see the wave of the summer heat coming out of the distance, you know. And I was, swo I was swooped up in the crowd. And I was lost, actually. And I said, oh, my God, this is what it's all about. They may have slanted eyes, but there's different slants. They may have dark hair, but there's different qualities of dark hair and different tones of dark hair. They are so technical in everything they do. Strategic. We are not very strategic and we are not we're blondes we're redheads we if we don't have hair we do have hair we we're very simple blue-eyed brown yeah, yeah we don't get into the technical part of describing a person they are technicians and what they've been able to accomplish you know through the years the fact that they want to build a dam they build the dam we argue over the name of the dam it's unbelievable right when you bring it so like that. yeah and and there are something like 500 cities that they created in in a short period of time they're unbelievable and they're unstoppable and they won't stop well it, you know if somebody on the outside is listening to you and, and yeah. doesn't know too much about america and doesn't know too much about China yes. and here's what you're saying and then realizes that China is a communist country yes. they would think that then why wouldn't the United States be a communist country if Marie is talking so highly of it 
you know, the way you are. Uh, uh, so I, you're saying I'm speaking highly of it. I'm saying no. I'm not saying highly. You're you're, uh, you're saying how great they what oh, they yes. do. Oh yes. Oh yes. So then why and would you would, are you would you be opposed to? I would think that somebody would ask. Well, why would Marie be opposed to communism here uh, in the United States? Well, I mean, you have no say in anything. You have no control. There's no all. autonomy. Your life is, well, not just the economy, but you don't have life. You live in uh, a squalor. You live in little tiny units. You have no say. You, anybody, a neighbor could turn some somebody in in the middle of the night. You don't even know about it, and they disappear, and they throw them in into the prison. And then later on, the Falun Gong gets them and takes out their their organs and sells them. You know, you got a, a ruthless, ruthless society. They kill their own people. Then why are we so intertwined with them now? Why would, you know, and I look at it this way, the Democrats, in my opinion, I believe some Republicans as well, yeah. they have so much business ties with China now yeah. that they can't get away because they're so money hungry that they have, all, like, you know, you have Universal Studios, you have NBC, you have all of, you know, with the movies. They own NBC. us. They own us. They own Hollywood. But how, well, but why did we allow that to get because to we're that ignorant, point. we're ignorant, and the media, the media is our enemy. Media is our number one enemy. Definitely, I, I, and I agree with that because I uh -huh. think the media right now and the prop, they're yeah. such a propaganda machine. Yeah. But how do we? How as a country, do we? Does that end? Is it that we have to have states that are going to secede, and we're going to have to have two United States of America? Never happen. Then how did? Then what? What's the end game? The end game is for people to be so fed up, they take out their guns and they kill the enemy. I think that's the end game. Oh, so you're saying that there's no way, there's no there's no around this, this is going to be a war in some capacity. I think so, yes. Are you saying that there's going to be a war between Americans? Yes. Or, it's yeah. a sad thing. And I agree with you, though. Okay. I do. I yeah. agree. No, I'm 100% there. Yeah. I've said it a couple of times on my show that I do. I say there's the Civil War Part 2 is going to come because there's no way there's no way that there's going to be any type of harmony here because the ideology ideologies are so different with cancel culture, woke well, America. You have another you have something else also that's going on. You also have Islam. You also have the explanatory memorandum that was discussed in 1987 and written in 1991 and discovered by accident in August 20 of 2004. Uh, it, 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 I don't know if you know anything about it, but I'm going to make sure that you get a copy of it. I have it in my phone. I carry it in my, my Enlight bag. Enlighten me. Uh, okay. It is a memorandum that is to the Ikhwan, which is the world of all of the Muslims. And it basically tells in detail how they're going to take down the United States, that they're going to uh, cause chaos, and we're going to have a civilization jihad uh, and uh, turn one against the other, and they'll be behind the scenes, just like with BLM. They are behind BLM. CARE makes no bones about it. CARE is the... Um, the Islamic uh, Relations, the Center for Islamic Relations, and they fund BLM. And I have that on my phone as well. I discovered that in 2016, Muslim Ark funds BLM. You could Google it probably right now, and you could say it would be under, uh, it would be Black Lives Matter Toolkit. 
And if you look that up, you may be able to get under Muslim Ark. And it gives you in detail, starting with Ferguson, of how you should behave, how you treat the police, what you have to do in detail. So that, that explanatory memorandum is critical in this fight. To me, I, I, know, I gotta tell and you, that's I gotta... why Islam, they're coming with their knives. 80,000 were imported over to the Somalians by Obama. And all they're waiting for is that little note on their phone now. And they'll come out with their knives and they're going to kill us. You really believe that? Absolutely. I don't know anything about that. I have to look into that. I got to tell oh you, I God. actually feel And if you're a Jew, you should be really worried because... Uh, they're really after the Jews more than the Christians, but the Christians and Jews are mentioned in their prayers five times a day how they want to kill us. But why isn't anybody saying anything about that? Why wouldn't that they're be afraid. on the mainstream fear, media? Fear. And they may come after me after this radio show. Yes, fear. My, my children always thought that my head would be on the front porch. Yes. Because of your outspokenness. Yes. Now, is that, do you think, has any correlation to what happened the other day with yes. the... Capital building and it's all part of yes well you have to understand why they do this they're taught how to do this and their family gets paid when they do this and when they kill one person one infidel they go to heaven and they could take the whole family with them okay you have to understand why they do it they don't think anything of it it is it's part of their whole lifestyle and, and being uh, Sharia. Now, another thing you probably don't even know is most of the banks that we do business with are all Sharia compliant. No, and I we don't have, know that. Okay, I, uh, let me tell you about it. Oh, this is really fascinating. Okay, so you have Citibank, Bank of America, Morgan Stanley, uh, you've got uh, Goldman Sachs, uh, Wells Fargo, HSBC. You probably have one of those banks, right? Chase. Bank of America. I, Bank of America, especially Bank of America. All Sharia compliant. So back in the 70s, uh, when there was the oil embargo, uh, the a group of Muslims decided, you know what? It's been quiet since the Second World War. Nothing was really happening. We have to try to uh, uh, institute Sharia. How do we do that? Well, they thought it would be really cool to use uh, their method of 2.5% goes to charity every year. Every Muslim must give that, okay? So they went to the banks, and they have this document, and they agreed that they don't accept interest, but at the end of the year, an imam or an advisor would come to the bank, and they would decide what to do with the 2.5%. Okay, so it's broken into eight areas. One is widows, another is orphans, blah, blah, blah. Number seven is jihad. That means for every million dollars earned by all those institutions that I mentioned to you, $3,125 goes toward jihad. Are you out of, you know, I, I never heard, and no one says And you anything. know what? I've never met a banker who how knows anything how about did you, it. How did you find I that I studied out? it. I studied it. I studied it. And why? Why? Because I'm involved in national security. I was uh, a member of the Center for Security Policy in Washington, D.C., which is a think tank. And I met some incredible people, especially Frank Gaffney, the former Assistant Secretary of Defense for Ronald Reagan. 
okay? He was very instrumental in helping me. And Brigitte Gabrielle was also instrumental under Act for America. She knows about the explanatory memorandum, and that was found by accident. A woman in a hijab in 2004, on August 20th, was taking photos of the Chesapeake Bay Bridge structure when a transportation officer came over to her and found that her husband was driving the car, and when he checked his identification, his name was Ishmael Elbarasi, and Ishmael Elbarasi was wanted on a warrant for not appearing on a trial for Hamas. So what they did is they decided to go to their home in Annandale, Virginia, and they would search the home. Well, it turns out he was the chief archivist for the Muslim Brotherhood. And in the bowels of the basement, in a secret compartment, they found 80,000 documents. And one of them was the explanatory memorandum, which I have in my place in Florida. I have in my home in Smithtown. I have in my office in Ronkonkoma. And I carry it with me. And I have it in my car. And I could bring it up to you and why? show you. But why? Why do you carry it with because you? Because I want to let people know what is going on that they don't get it. Everybody's sweeping it under the rug. It is the reason why these people were killed. So you think... so? What I don't is, think I know. Uh, no. So what does George Soros then have to do with all of this? Because you hear, listen, I, I'm, this is my own research. See, I didn't get to the part where you are. And then, like I said, I'm now I can't wait to read about it. But, you know, what? when you see about what was happening with Black Lives Matter, with Ferguson and, and everything, and I thought that was a George Soros-funded type of thing. I also thought that, you know, that was someone, an organization that was more in regards to Marxism. I had no idea that it was being funded by the Nation of Islam. That's right. At all. So is that, do you think, the reason why, is that like maybe a a decoy to throw people off to think that this is what it is, but it's really something else? Where does that all come into play? And again, Black Lives Matter. Why then do Democrats take them so seriously? And why are they protecting them so much if this is really what's going on? Because at the end of the day, it's their own children who are going to suffer. Yeah, but you don't understand. You know who the leaders are for Black Lives Matter? They're three women. They're communists. Three communists who tried right. to blow up the Capitol building That's and right. got caught with explosives yeah. about to explode on a, a New Jersey base. Yeah. That, that they And you know what's the, the worst about that? I'm so glad you just brought that up. Because I want to write a book. I've been doing a lot of research on this about this particular subject. They're all teaching college. That's right. And they're teaching our youth. Yeah. Well, the, the largest donors uh, is the uh, Saudi Arabia. And they're donors to the colleges. Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Why is that? What, what's, I didn't know that either. Oh, okay. Tell me about that. I'm just telling you, you really have to do a little research. I'll do the digging. Don't worry about it. You don't have to. I'll I'll do the digging. This is what I do. When you sit there and you're looking at real estate transactions and aerial shots, (laughs) I got like four, you know, 14 tabs open that I can't Uh, even, you know, get back to because it's, it leads one thing. It's almost like, you know, it leads to another, to another, to another. And again, what I was talking about with this whole bombing thing and the Black Panthers and how that all started and now how they are basically, again, teaching our children. Nobody wants to talk about this and how they even got jobs. And, you know, Jerry Nadler begged Bill Clinton to pardon one of them, right? Back in, I believe, in 2000. Mm -hmm. And instead of pardoning, he did the, he commuted their sentence. 
How do they get away with this? And then and then they talk bad about Donald Trump for doing anything. Because the media does not deliver the truth to the people. How did the media get... How did the media... How did we lose the media? How did the objectivity... Well, because you have liberal journalists who were taught in the colleges. There you go. By these people that we're talking about. Absolutely. It's uh, it's really is unbelievable. And oh, all yeah. of these colleges are doing it, including my daughter. My daughter goes to the University of Alabama, and they're teachers. You have to see the curriculum. They promote the Black Lives Matter. Yeah. They Everything is skewed towards how bad Republicans, conservatives... And whites. And I'm about whites, to say, and right. white supremacy. Right. That's something that I wanted to, to talk to you about. Yeah. You're white. I'm white. I grew up not racist family at all. I grew up in North Babylon, which was a multiracial school district. Never thought anything of it. I did used to read in, you know, you know, the history lessons about history. I felt bad about when we would read about slavery because there was other blacks in the school, you know, students in the school. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, and I used to say to myself, and I'm going to be honest, I'm glad that I was born white. I, 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 but I love being white, just like how anybody else should be loved, whatever they are. And then all of a sudden, I feel like I woke up one day and being white is the worst thing in the world when all I was taught was to be equality, to make sure everybody's treated equally, and now the reverse has happened out of nowhere. It's very simple. This is all about God. The people that believe in God and the people that don't believe in God. Explain that. Elaborate on that. If you have God in your life, you're likely to be a Republican. If you don't have God in your life, you're likely to be a Democrat. Now, that's not a rule of thumb, but it we have a battle going on between good and evil right now. And that's what it really is all about. And all these other things, historical data that you talk about in the past, I don't want to diminish the importance, but they really don't matter. What, what do you it, mean the empirical data? What, 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 well, give an example. you know, our history, it, it, you know, we have to, we have to move forward. You've got to move forward. I know what the deal is. I've connected the dots. And that's why I'm talking to you about it. So when you connect the dots like I've connected the dots, it's going to be very clear to you that this is good against evil. And uh, that's why they really, there's no way out. Is that why they despise Donald Trump so much? Because he was yes. almost like a monkey wrench into their plans. Yes. Set them back four years. Yes, of course. Yeah, because he went against the globalists. Oh, yeah. I mean, he... he he is so amazing. Tell he me about that. So you, amazing. Did you meet Donald Trump? I, I met him briefly, but my son David is meeting with him on Friday. I, I see pictures he's, of him all the time on Facebook. I've seen pictures he's, of him. He's been around a lago. This will be his fourth or fifth trip in a month. And he has a personal meeting with him. On Friday at Mar-a-Lago. He's going to Palm Beach tomorrow. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, pretty, really amazing. Yeah, and your son it does great work, too. And he said, uh, he told me, he said he is so incredible that, first of all, he's very, very handsome. And he's very, very healthy. And he's got a tan, he's relaxed, and he's so smart, you can just feel it. 
and he is just brilliant. He said there's no words for him. Now, we, we've met some of the most important people in the whole world, my family. I mean, we, we know a lot of people, and for him to flip over his condition and, and how healthy he is and how sharp he is is very impressive and makes me feel good and gives me confidence. You know, just watching any clips, you watch Donald Trump on Oprah back in the 90s. Oh, you watched it's unbelievable. Him on un- he crushes has, it. He hasn't changed. Not one at bit. All. No. And that's how I fell in love with him. I read his book, The Art of the Deal, and that's why I fell in love yeah. with him. And then I would see him doing these interviews, and he would always say, Russia, China's killing us. Yeah. They're crushing us. Yeah. What's going on right now and how, what we're yeah. doing. And he has it all figured out. He does. Of course. And the best part about it, which really makes no sense to me, is, is when, you know, what he campaigned on was saying, we need to bring the jobs back here. You have Apple. You have Google. They're right. doing all their Look things in China. what he did China. with the trade. Yes, yes and the course. NAFTA deal. All of it. And then to have any individual think that that is not the right thing to do to create more jobs here and the people that suffer the most yeah. are black Americans because that are the people right. that are right there that are the blue collar right. workers right. especially what's happening with the immigration you bring all of these migrants they come in here they take the low paying jobs it hurts black Americans more than anything uh, oh, of course it does and it hurts it hurts the Hispanics that are here that, that have worked so hard they're very very hard working people 100% yeah but then why is it that we have people that don't realize that? Why is it that black Americans, they, 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 they tend to you know, go right to the Democratic Party when I, in my opinion, they're the ones who had the KKK. They're the ones who implemented the Jim Crow laws down south. It, it, you have, it boils down to one thing. It boils down to the media. These people are looking for information and they're believing what they hear and what they see, and it's just the media. The media is the center of the problem. How do then, you know, even a generation below me, let's just start from me and below, right? Yeah. How do we get that message across to get this changed? Here's some, I mean, you're one of the smartest people that I've, I've interviewed that I've actually talked to one-on-one, whether it's at a diner, whether it's, you know, walking in Central Park. Yeah. And, and I mean that. Yeah. So I'm asking you, how? Someone who loves this country, someone who wakes up every day yeah. and wants to, and that's why I do my show every day, because I'm trying to get another voice out there. What can we do? There is an awakening that is happening right now, and there are people that are starting to get it. There are people that are starting to get fed up, and it is happening. I know I have two friends down in Florida that uh, created Jexit, you know, Jews mm-hmm. uh, that yep. were formerly with the Democrats turning into Republicans. And they said that the people are shaken and that they can't believe that they voted for Biden and they made a mistake and they're starting to they're really regretting it. And there is a change taking place. That's just one small group. But I believe there is a change for anybody who cares about this country. Um, that is, um, but how do we how do we re, how do we go back now? Because we have people that are so far gone, especially like the LGBTQ community. Oh, yeah. They will never be. Well, they would never vote that's Republican. That's all part of a big master plan. The transgender money, the mo- the money in the back. This is all part. Do you know who gets those? Who gives those shots to those little eight year old kids? Do you know who? 
Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood. Right. I thought you. Okay, I thought right. it was a trick question. No. Yeah. No. They they're very involved in this. This is insanity. You know, reading having transgender. That's and, why they want to have the money, keep funding Planned Parenthood. Yes, then. of course. I didn't even think of that. Yes. That's why they put it in the stimulus package. Yes. Let's give a billion dollars yes. to Planned Parenthood while yes. they're killing children, but they're also have another ultimate that's uh, right. underlying thing that's well, happening once here. Once they change and they're transgender, they're not breeding, are they? No. It's I, all about breeding. It's all about population control. The pandemic, uh, Planned Parenthood. Just do, think about it. Do you think that's why the pandemic is being prolonged so much? Because they got this power and now they don't want to give it up? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's all part of the master plan. There's a big plan. So, and I think now, see, when you first said it before, which I believe too, when you first said guns, war, yeah, it's going to go again. And you know, you sit there to hear someone say that other than yourself, it's like, yeah. but you just... Late this whole time we've talked, you just laid out exactly, and you got right a full circle, right back to that point you made when we first started this show. Was that's where it's going to lead to? Yes. There's no other way. No. You know, and but I was talking about how there was, and, and I was upset when I came to that conclusion because as a woman, you know, we have uh, innate uh, responses you know, to war and killing and uh, enemies and uh, extermination and all of those terrible words. We all go, oh, no, no. But you know what? Uh, I put my big girl pants on now, and I am telling you the only way is to kill our enemy. It's unfortunate. It is unfortunate. And you know what? Yeah. That could be the exact thing that has to happen. Because again, I'm trying to figure out not getting up to that point. That's why I was talking about secession. I don't know when that's going to happen. But it may not happen in my lifetime. I'm not, not sure, but it will happen. It will happen because there's no way, because the people, there's no, again, there's no middle ground here. Yeah. There is, you know, their now way of thinking, and it's totally the opposite of a conservative American values, you know, of what we grew up and what this country was basically grew up you know, wanting to be capitalism, you work hard. You are the the poster child for capitalism. Mm-hmm. You get up, you work hard. You had nothing given to you, and you did it. You made it happen, and it, the success is self generated. But now I feel like what you have, Bernie Sanders, and you have these Democrats. It's more of, well, let's give you, so you rely on what we're giving you and then you can't really basically do anything else because especially like what say the welfare or you know WIC or any type of section 8 housing if you make a certain criteria then you don't get that money you know you just reminded me of something and I'm trying to uh, see the name of the plan there is a master plan in the United States for affordable housing and multi uh, multi-family housing and it doesn't lie just with the municipality. They get, they get their order from the state, and the state gets their order from the feds. So there is an element uh, in the zoning uh, that w- when they are designing communities uh, that eventually will filter down. And you're going to see a big change, I would say, in the next five to ten years because I see it happening now. It's they're going to turn the shopping centers into multifamily uh, and apartments, and they're building apartments every chance they get. Every 
chance right. that they can get. And That's then you right. just see right in this new infrastructure bill yep. has everything to do with low-income housing That's that they're right. going to do. And you're, not, and you're probably right. Those malls that you see, you're probably going to be shut Absolutely. down because everything is done online. That's right. And they're going to make them into housing. And right. then the housing... For the people that are, that are climbing over the border. Okay? This is all part of a big plan. You know, uh, one of the things that you have to realize is that the Democrats have been working for about 50 years on getting a large voting group. They didn't care if the guy was on the ground and drunk and drugged up and they would get him to register. They have concentrated on that. We, we, the uh, Republicans and the conservatives, did not do that. We are still proper, and we're still trying to do the right thing, and we still have God in our lives, and we still have protocol, and you have to make sure you do the right thing, and you got to call bullshit. I think that that is the biggest mistake. When are we going to get down and dirty? I believe God would forgive us for being down and dirty to fight our enemies. I agree with you, and you're 100% right. I say this all the time. You know, you have the Democrats, they're playing a game of chess, and we're sitting back with our morals and we're letting it all happen. This yeah. is not right. This yeah. isn't how it's supposed to be. Right. And, you know, now we're on the defense because everybody, we're racists. So we're on the defense. And what, what needs to happen, like what's happening right now with Major League Baseball in, in Georgia yeah. and how they're now boycotting. First of all, how do we have a sitting president? That actually with a state that is in the union and they're bo- he's trying to promote a state to suffer, which is the most ridiculous thing in the world because this is part, uh, Georgia is part of this country. Yeah. Why would you say boycott a certain state? It makes no sense. And they have, and, and taking all of these people and they voted for him. Yeah. Yeah, they did. And they voted you for know, him. You know, I had the privilege through a friend of mine. Uh, of uh, working as an operative in Pennsylvania uh, with the post office and a friend and my friend Ronnie and I went there and and met with a postmaster and and we're getting to the bottom of what was going on but then I was also given an opportunity to work in Georgia and uh, I made up a name I worked for the Georgia GOP I spoke Uh, to all the supervisors in the different precincts. And that was really an experience. So when I spoke with with them, I had 11 questions I had to ask. And one of them was like, what do you do with the absentee ballots? And they would say, well, we have them here in the hallway. And then I would ask, well, are they in a box? Are they packed in any way? Nah, they're not packed. Uh, Do you have any security in the building? watching it. No, we don't have any security in the building. Uh, Okay, and that's how it went. So I was able to gather that information and report it. It, that was real. We were robbed on that one. We were really so it, robbed it, on that. You think it's in your opinion that Donald Trump actually won? Oh, yes. A hundred percent. hundred percent. I agree with you. hundred percent. But do you think it's the absentee ballots or do you think it's China having something to do with the Dominion software? Oh, it's both. both. Because China manufactured the absentee ballots. Okay? They printed them. It's amazing. <laughs> Isn't it unbelievable <laughs> how this is all happening? Yeah. It's actually really sad though. Uh, yeah. yeah. So you so in your so your belief is that happened, but then here's the thing. How does it ever not happen? What do you mean? How does it go in 2024? And it's almost like they now have a system 
that they can't fail. Right. It's it's frightening. But we still have a few years to go. And, you know, there's, there is a change taking place. You know, the servers now uh, for conservatives, uh, they're building them. The platforms are changing. We have a lot more areas for information. Telegram is one of them. There are many other outlets. Uh, I, I think there's too many, actually. But Facebook, I, I left 4,200 followers on Facebook, and I dropped it. I dropped it. And I dropped uh, Twitter. They dropped me. Uh, they, oh, they chopped did. me down. Yeah, I had 3,800. They chopped me down to like 3,600. And then they just wiped me out. They just said, that's it. You're, you're, you're finished forever. This sounds like a communist country that oh, you're yeah. trying to explain oh, yeah. here yeah. and exactly what's happening yeah. and how to, how we have a, a president who's right. com- well, a prior president who is completely silenced. Right. That's right. Do you think before we um, we close it up here, what is your prediction for 2024? Do you think it's going to be Donald Trump? Do you think it'll be Ron DeSantis? Do you like, do you think that we even the Republicans have a shot? Yes, the Republicans do have a shot. Uh, I believe that Trump has the shot. It, so you think it'll be Trump? Who I do you do. think? I don't think that he's going to, in my opinion, he's going to have Pence run with him. No, uh, never. 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 Who do you think that will be? Do you think that he has to now have a female? And I'm not saying I'm opposed to that. There's so many, you know. No. Doesn't have no. to. No. Who do you think that it should be? Uh, I think DeSantis, Pompeo, DeSantis. There are quite a few people. I love Rand. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul Rand, Rand, uh, Rand and Paul, Paul. I mean, yeah, right. Uh, I I like uh, what Cotton. Yes. Uh, I there are quite a few people that I think would be great vice presidents. I agree with you. You know, yes. Now the key though is in 2022 we got to get back to this house, right? Yeah. Because they're ramming it down right. and how they're doing it. Well, I also am very happy that uh, Lee Zeldin will be running for governor. Yes. Yes. From Nassau County. Um, what? No. Isn't he in Nassau? Is that no, a Nassau he's, guy? Is no, a Suffolk he's from guy? Suffolk County. Okay. He's, yeah, Smithtown, that whole area, he is my congressman. He hasn't come out yet, though, right? And say? Uh, no. Um, I'm sure he must be waiting for the the announcement. Uh, it's a big move. It's a very, very big move. He's got to give up the seat. Who does he fill the seat with? Who's out there? You got a bunch of yo-yos out there. I know. I mean, really. Uh, I mean, the the a lot of the leaders have left. You know, I I'm I'm concerned about who's going to run. I agree. And you got that whole East End came out of New York City, and God knows they're all libs. All of them. All of them. Every single yeah. one of them. Well, they have an investment. They have an investment, and they they're protecting their investment. Yeah, every single one of them. But Suffolk County won for Trump. Yes. And, and he actually won this last time, and it was big time when he first got in, what, in 2017. I, I, I have to tell you, listening to you, it was, it, it's fantastic, but there's a lot of truth, cold truth that, that you've said today, and I hope people listen to it and understand exactly what is taking place here, because every day... I feel like we're losing this country more and right. more. More people are being canceled. Right. More now, you have these corporations who think that they're, you know, they're supposed to be entities, but now talking like they're American citizens, and doing things and dictating how American citizens do. We have to boycott them. 
Oh, it, yes. it affects them 100%. The problem with Amazon is that we're so dependent on Amazon and Walmart. Those two vehicles are really... Conglomerates uh, that yeah, we use every yeah, single day, yeah, Whole yeah. Foods, packaging, yeah. Yeah. buying. Yes, yes. Uh, I don't know how you get over that. Uh, and Bezos will be the richest man in the world. He is now, and he's going to be bigger in a few years. But um, we, we've got a big problem, and uh, we will come out. I believe that there are patriots that are fed up, and they know what's going on, but we still have to get the word out there, and we can't give up. I still have a fire in my belly. I am not giving up. I'm going to be out there. One of the reasons I, I'm going to Florida, uh, temporarily, of course, just here and there, uh, first of all, I can bring my gun there, and that is a wonderful thing, because I can't use it here. If somebody intrudes in my home and I kill him, I get a felony rap, you know. Yep. So it's a big problem. So gun rights uh, in Florida are great. Uh, it's a much freer state, and I enjoy going there once in a while. I have no intention of leaving Long Island or leaving my business. I have no intention of retiring at all. And I think my family, they're all great people, great, great patriots. I hope we can influence other people. We could teach them. We'll take the time. We'll hold their hand. I will tell people I am a messenger, and that's my gift. You said that to me earlier today. I am a messenger. Before I let you go here, can you just tell me a little bit to the people about your son, David, and he's on TV and how they could watch him? Because you said that he's yes. going to visit Trump. Just if you could promote that a little bit, because I think people need to get more options in regards to conservative voices. Well, he just got an opportunity in the morning from six in the morning to eight in the morning. And it's very informative on America's Voice dot news. Uh, where he's taken the place of this fellow named Gruber, and he was assigned that. So every day for two hours for the next five days, he is going to be uh, on that. And I would recommend people look up americasvoice.news. There is an app you can put on your iPhone or on your iPad, and you could look it up on the Internet. And it's very, very interesting. He does a lot of work on it. He studies a lot. I give him things. I send him things all the time. I am a monster on Telegram. You know that. Yes, right? I do. I am. Yeah. I, I surf and I send things out. I send 10, 20 things a day. Is uh, what he's doing these next five days have anything to do with why he's going to visit President Trump? Uh, no. Okay. He has his own personal thing that he's he does. Done. Yes. Oh, good for him. He does. Marie, I just want to say thank you so much. I want you to come back on once again, you know, as time goes on, because it was fantastic. Please send me. And whenever you have something, send it to me, because I am a sponge. I will absorb it. I will read it. And, the, you know, everything is about knowledge. Just like you said, you got where you are through knowledge. That's right. And I think knowledge is key, being informative. Yeah. And it was fantastic talking to you today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. Yes. All right. Well, with that I being said. I talked about things I never thought I would speak <laughs> about. <laughs> and with that being said, we will end it here. Thank you again. Thank you. Okay.